You're listening to The Strut with Chili, TD, and Info Joe. Fans, a walk through CCU football continues with episode two. We are happy to welcome Coach Joe Moglia to The Strut Podcast. Coach, it's so good to have you on. Your part in coastal history is just amazing, and you got, I know, a ton of stories to tell. We've got questions for you, but first and foremost, Foremost, on behalf of myself, Travis, and Joe Cashin, thank you for joining us on the Strut. It's an honor to have you with us tonight. Well, guys, you flatter me and you humble me, and I appreciate that. And I'm certainly excited about our 20th season, but it means a lot for me to be part of it, and it means a lot for me to be on. Thank you so much, Coach. Uh, Travis, Joe, uh, y'all want to get started with first questions yeah. for Coach? or? Well, I, look, a, a quick memory for me was, you know, when the, when the transition happened, Coach Mugley came on campus. I know I was one of the first former players that got the opportunity to, to, to really meet him and understand where he was taking our program. Because as you two gentlemen know, this program means various things to now all four of us. But at that time, the three of us, as an alum, as someone who was part of the broadcast team and as, as a former student athlete, former letter winner. So for me, Coach, what was that experience like for the first time? Uh, I asked Coach Bennett the same question. What was the first time when you walked out on that field? Maybe not even a game field. That first time walking out on the practice field with the team. Can you recall what that felt like? Yeah, I can't because I remember the first time I was at the practice field, of course, was our first day, was our first day of spring practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a whole new, whole new uh, group of coaches, of course. We were putting in a new offense, a new defense, new special teams. We had a whole new philosophy that hadn't been here before. And as all of you know, there were two things that we did from the very beginning that no other school in the nation did. And the one was we didn't have any rules. But we literally had our one standard, stand on your own two feet, take responsibility for yourself, treat others with dignity and respect, live with the consequences of your actions. And of course, we call that BAM. I may as well spend the minute on it now before people complain about it. But <laughs> BAM, be a man, recognize that we have about 120 players, all male. We've got another 20 coaches, interns, analysts, all male. So be a man, BAM, you know, in the stadium, in the, in the locker room, on the practice field, what was a great acronym for that, but it wasn't about some tough macho guy. It's about leadership. So BAM is really an acronym for leadership. It's, by the way, the same standard that I used of all the people that I work with in the business world. It's the same standard around which I, I, I raised up my, my daughters. So, so th that was number one. Number two was uh, we had not started it yet, but we said that during the season, we were going to give up 30 minutes of practice a week to talk about things that had nothing to do with football but perhaps everything to do with BAM. So we were getting off to a start where philosophically and, and uh, fundamentally, we were going to operate a little differently than what everybody else would. And then I, I was well aware that it's gonna take a little while for our coaches to get to know our, our players and vice versa. It was gonna take a little while to get to know and understand the system. Uh, but that was, it wasn't nervousness as much as it was excitement. And I was patient and I recognized that it was gonna take time. And I think, too, that's something that um, that being a part of the program, you know, the founding years to then whenever you took over as a leader is is that life after football. Right. That LAF. Right. That be a man. The LAF is taking the time to to grow men from the inside out where some, you know, and, and I know you and I've touched on this and I won't open that door unless you have. But you've I've been fortunate enough for you to tell me about really the, the, the challenges and lessons you learn as a young man growing up in the inner city and and the things that you saw and ultimately what got you to where you were at Coastal, you know, sleeping in your car. I'll say that as folks maybe not know that whenever 
you know, you slept in your car and, 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 you know, that there's a toughness there. There's a grit, there's a relatability to, to young men that come from challenged paths to, to our program. And, you know, it's, I think that's the unique thing that for all the success you've had in the professional world, there's a relatability. I think that people come to come to find out about you that you, you started from very, very humble beginnings and you, and you still maintain that to, you know, to a level that I think people it catches people off guard a little bit too. So. Well, yes, I, I would agree with that, Travis. I think a lot of times coming in, a lot of people didn't do the homework in terms of my background. They weren't aware of what my background had been in coaching. And a lot of people just assumed I was coming in from Wall Street where I had been pretty successful. I'm very proud of that. But my dad was an Italian immigrant. He came here when he was 11. He never finished eighth grade. My mom was an Irish immigrant. She came here to marry my dad uh, when she was 24. She never finished 10th grade. We, we grew up in a, in a gang area, the Dykeman Street section of Manhattan. And uh, seven of us lived in a two-bedroom and bathroom apartment. I was the oldest of five. Uh, I mentioned part of a gang area. That was very, very real. And two of the guys that I was with every day in grammar school got killed in high school. One died of mm-hmm. drug overdose. The other died, uh, was killed by the police robbing a liquor store. And had I not been playing high school football, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty, I know I would have been with a guy robbing a liquor store. And I mentioned my dad had a fruit store. I worked for him from the time I was 10 to, <laughs> to 22. So that was good in the sense that it kind of kept me off the streets. Uh, I also became a father when I was a teenager and got married when I was a teenager. So when I began school, I wanted to go to Fordham University in the Bronx, but I had to pay every dime of my education. I had to support my wife and my daughter. I drove a yellow cab in New York City. I drove a truck for the post office in New York City, <laughs> and I worked at my father's food store. This may not may, may shock you guys, but it wasn't the most fun. You know, a freshman <laughs> ever had in the history of college freshman. And uh, I majored in economics, thought I really wanted to go to Wall Street, but I really loved the three years I Oh, my sophomore, junior, senior year, though, I was, I was given a coaching job where I had gone to school. So mm-hmm. my last three years in, in, with, with being able to coach, by the time I was ready to graduate, uh, but my senior year, I really loved the coaching, decided that mm-hmm. if I could get a high school coaching job, I'd want to pursue a career in coaching. If not, I was going to try to go, go to Wall Street. And as it turned out, at 22, I'd become the youngest football coach in the history of the state of Delaware at a place called Archbury Academy. By the way, that happens to be the same high school that Joe Biden went to. I, he, he, I, don't, I don't know how, I don't know how we take <laughs> To, I know. I'm trying to digest that. <laughs> but what do you guys digest? By the way, how many of you guys went to high school or taught in high school where the president had gone to? No. Oh, well, I. Uh, All right. Coach, well, I'm, I'm, that's okay. okay. So I'd say. What so is fact, Coach? I'm the closest. <laughs> I'm a current middle school assistant principal, and I coached high school football and basketball for a period of time before that. I come the closest, but I have no presidents that I can claim. Well, that's not even close, I'd say. To the <laughs> you know, Wait. Uh, you can say the mayor of the town went to the high school. Well, how about this? Um, Coach, I did work at Andrews High School in Georgetown County, and that's where Chubby Checker, the twist, that's where he's from. I, he's one of my idols. <laughs> I can hey, do the twist right now. Close, 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 Chili. Close. I tried. I tried. So, Coach, Chili. I got a couple of things for you. Uh, first of all, I just want to say how much fun it was to work with you when you were the head coach and and before you turned it over to Jamie, it was so much fun to work with you when I made the step up and Matt promoted me to the play-by-play. That was such a blast, you know, to be able to sit down and, you know, have those times of interviews and whatnot and just to, you know, just to catch up and just to visit even, even, you know, without all that, it was so much fun. I I appreciated all that. And thank you for being on with us here for this podcast. I want to congratulate you too. There's a movie coming out. They're going to make a movie about you. Who is going to play 
Coach Joe Moglia? That's what I want to know. That's a big question. Well, Travis already has his hand up. <laughs> I think, you know, that's actually one of the things they've spoken about this in the past. But uh, there's two things that they've got to do. They've got to get the script written in a way that they feel good about it. And then they've got to find what find the right leading actor. And uh, they've made a big deal in trying to teach me a couple of things that no matter how good the story seems to be, people don't go because of the name of the story, because of something they heard about. They go because of the of who's starring in the movie. So they're going to have to get somebody that's pretty good. So, so we'll see. As, as long as he's not a big fat guy, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm Naturally, thinking, it's uh, Travis. Then. That's, that's uh, natural. Yeah, I, look, there's <laughs> just, I, I just feel that I could pull this role off. The only challenge is I, I, I'm going to have to really work on the accent. <laughs> My southern accent won't won't fly. Yes, but forget uh, about it. You ain't never going to get there, so don't worry about it. Just drop it, Coach. I want to go back to your first couple of years when you when you yes. took over in 2012, and uh, uh, and we've talked about this, you know, the three of us on this podcast before. Uh, your first year of 2012, the, the game that uh, the game that I really felt like we were going to be different was the Furman game. game. When we went up there in three overtimes and found a way to win, even though it looked like at the end they were going to pull that thing out, we had them beaten for three and a half quarters. And they tried to steal it. And our kids, you know, Aramis and those guys went back down and scored. And we won in three overtimes. And I remember being in the locker room and you know, everybody going crazy, you know, Johnny yeah. Hartsfield saying this is a new team. And I just felt, yeah. you know, I still feel that way all these years later, how great that was. And, how I felt like we were going to be different. You know, that that first year was so much fun to watch a team. You know, we lost four in a row, and then all of a sudden, boom, things turn. We go to the playoffs, and, and it took off from there. Uh, Joe, you know, first of all, it was also an honor for me to, for us to work together. And I'm grateful for the way you represented our university over all these years, uh, regardless of the sport, but certainly in terms of us working together as far as football goes, uh, I, I'm grateful for our partnership. Uh, with regard to that, the, the second game, that was our second game. And uh, if you recall, uh, it was it was a great football game, but 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 being ahead, then catching us and winning in three overtimes was something we're all pr proud of. And Johnny was saying that. He was saying mm -hmm. new, new world uh, where it's, it, it's, it, it could not have been prouder. And if you recall that day too, it had been raining and it was mm -hmm. really miserably hot. And that locker room was horribly hot and, and it cooled <laughs> off. I would, would go to the bus for, for a minute or so, you know, pr prior to going out on the field. And, uh, but yeah, I, I couldn't have been prouder of that. And that was, that was our second game we had won. And then we had lost the next couple close ones. And then we got handled by, by App State. And mm -hmm. then we were playing, uh, then we were playing Stony Brook. Stony Brook was ranked seventh in the country. And they were favored to beat us by about 28 points. And they beat us by a touchdown. I remember in the fourth quarter, about four minutes mm -hmm. left, we're driving. Yeah. Matt Hazel had, had, had caught a catch from Aramis, and he didn't fumble his entire career pretty much, but he fumbled that day. And But our guys knew we had come close to, to beating. I certainly played with the number seven team in the country. And the next week was when we played Liberty. And they were had a very good team. They were certainly mm -hmm. favored to handle us. And it was also one of those miserable days. It was homecoming. Uh, but we handled Liberty that day. So sure I, think, I think, think the Furman game, second game of the season, and then that win, which stopped the losing streak. And then from there, we just started, kept winning over Liberty. Uh, they, they were two really incredible wins and great memories for all of us. I forgot. I, I, I say I forgot. I, I remember now the Liberty game. That was, a, that was a turning point for that season. And was it up at Liberty or was it no. home? I, 
was home. There, 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 there was a there was a hurricane kind of going up the eastern seaboard. Right. We played much That's of that right. game, and and they showed up in their practice jerseys like we weren't like we weren't going to be much of a threat. I, I was like, what are these guys in out there? What That's is this? Right. They showed up, and, and and Tank Hawthorne takes a pick six. Next thing you know, whoop, boom. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just it was they, they were a good football team, and and uh, but we handled them that day. We handled them that day, but he, we did. I think for us. From then on, we started. From then on, we win the we win the league. We go to the playoffs. We win our first game in the playoffs, and you know, from from there on, frankly, I think we became one of the elite FCS programs. We did, we did that, and that happened really quickly too. After that, when you became that elite program, we we all can attest that it went from Coastal being in those close games, coach, to um, pretty much being ranked and talked about in the national championship discussion about every year. Yeah. The rest of the time yeah. you were the head coach at Coastal. I remember that those discussions on ESPN talk about where where is Coastal going to finish? Are we going to beat North Dakota State? Are we you know, that team yet? And there was always a case to be made for us at that point. I, I I agree, Steve. I couldn't agree more. I think it was because, frankly, the success we've had that we were invited. You know, we were invited to go to the Sun Belt. And most of the time, leagues apply for that or schools apply for that. And the, and the big reason for that was was because of the success we had had in football. So that's another thing we're kind of proud of. Mm-hmm. That we made that transition. Coach, I want so, to kind of – go ahead, TD. Go ahead. No, there, there's this one game I, 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 it comes to mind, but I'm going to wait. Go ahead. I'm, i got to okay. know what you're going to ask. Go ahead. Um, Coach, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit in time to that first season, but it's like very early before anything happens as far as football and – it's the time where you're transitioning into becoming the head coach. Um, was there much interaction between you and your staff and Coach Bennett as they were leaving? Did y'all have a chance to talk about the program and the state it was as you came in? And what were those interactions like, if you can talk about them? Yeah, and I'm happy to talk about them. So uh, the best, most of the guys on the staff wanted to be kept. And, um, and frankly, I think, I think every, program, every coach knows this. When, the, when a new staff is coming in and the other staff, especially they get fired late, or leave late, you know, the big question is what's going to happen to the recruiting class. So I, I met with every one of those guys and, um, oh, I think almost every one of those guys. And I remember saying, I, I, I just have two questions and one question, tell me about the character of your players. I said, we can mm. figure out who they are, but watch ourselves. And then secondly, if there's anything at all in the program that you would, you would have changed, you would have done differently. And then the third thing I asked them was anything else you want to tell me? And the only guy that that gave me his recruiting list was Patrick Covington. And Patrick Covington was the guy I hired. Now, I recognize how difficult it was with the transition for the administration and what was going on with Dave Ben. I recognize that. But in football, we're not winning. We're not doing well. or We're not living up to expectations. We're going to lose our jobs. And so I called Dave over the Christmas holidays to simply tell him that, you know, hopefully there are no hard feelings between us. He said there weren't. And he was making, at the time, wanted to make sure he was going to get paid. And there's all sort of, so it's a friction with the administration. And, uh, and I, I even encouraged him. I said, I don't know what your contract is, but if you're supposed to get paid, you're supposed to get paid. Uh, and I, I reminded him also, and this is what I said to every group that I talked to uh, in Conway or around, around the metropolitan, uh, around, around the county, was, uh, look, we're going to build on, on all the good that has taken place so far. And if we do well down the road, down the road that's part of our legacy. It's all part of our legacy. So it's something that that we built on. And if we don't we don't do well, guess what? I'm going to get fired, and that's it. Uh, so in the beginning, uh, in the beginning, that, that those were those were the the interviews and the conversations 
that I had with uh, with, with 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 the previous coaching staff. And then the, there might be one or two exceptions there because there were a couple of guys I really did seriously consider. And uh, but for the most part, that was the way they handled it. Oh, you're gonna leave it up to me. Okay, TD. Okay, because I think I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in on the thing that he was gonna ask about. But I I really wanted to ask this question, Coach, and talk about this game. And I've said on this podcast a few times, and told some other people that if I ever get involved in writing a book about coastal football for as long as I've been around it, if I ever get involved in it, there there will be one chapter that's dedicated to to, to one thing, and that is it will be called the Montana game. That 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 to me is is one of the most you know, a handful of special moments and games that, that I could ever remember what we've gone through and you know, heading into our 20th season. I just just for, for those out there who weren't really behind the scenes and didn't really see what was going on, just just take us through that that week and everything that, that, that you guys and Coach Glenn and everybody that, that came together to get those kids ready to go out and play in, in that game and win that game. It was it was just phenomenal. I, I yeah. love this. I love that story. You know, Joe, I coached for 25 years. And as some being part of some great games at Dartmouth beating Harvard, Princeton, Yale, et cetera, at, at uh, Nebraska beating Oklahoma. And uh, so some really, really at the high school level, some really great games I've spent in my career. But none of them quite, quite touches what this game is. And I think we were, I think we were ranked seventh in the country at the time. We we're already in the playoffs. And I think we were 11 and one. And, um, uh, and we're getting ready for Montana. Now, as you know, coaches are getting ready on a Sunday. We've had a great season. And there's usually a kind of a positive buzz, even if we're a little tired, positive buzz until the next game, we're going to get ready, we're doing well. But I didn't see that that day. And about halfway through our first meeting, I stopped the meeting. And I said, guys, just something's going on. And I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's some, there's the negative energy in the room. There's a negative vibe. What is, and then one of the coaches said, well, coach, you know what? We had, a, we've had a great season. And I, you know, these guys were playing in the mountains. We're playing in Montana. Uh, and by the way, this it turned out to be the coldest game in the history of college sports, college football. <laughs> and it was minus six and minus seven and windshield was minus 26, but it was windshield the whole time. And they go, we just finished practicing in 72 degrees weather last week. And we got 15 guys on the team that never physically saw snow. They don't even own jackets. So that's going to be a tough transition. But remember, bam, and bam, there are no excuses. So what happens when you start to make an excuse, you're subconsciously trying to let yourself off the hook. You're trying to do that. So, so, uh, so, so with regard to that is, is, is we, we, we don't want what I'm not going to allow if they beat us, they beat us, but I'm not going to allow us to say, Oh yeah, we kind of knew we we're going to lose because of the cold weather. And we're not used to that. That wasn't going to be acceptable. So at that time of year, we're going to have to wear better offense, defense, special team. We're pretty good. We know what we need to do, but we don't know how to adapt to the cold. So we literally reached out to people that had done research in very, very cold weather or Ar Arctic research and find out what we needed to do. I'm going to give you one example. When you come off the field, first thing you do is you, you take your helmet off. Well, you lose a lot of heat, but that way. So we, we had everybody sit on one bench, and Coach Glenn went out and got torpedo heaters for the, mm. for the each side of the bench, like little jet engines, and we had radiant heaters over the head. So you come in, you get on the bench, you put, put the helmet between your feet. When it's time to go back in the, the game, and you're only going to be there for another three, four, five minutes, your head's warm, your hands are warm, your feet are warm, your shoes are warm, and you're kind of ready to go. We practiced every day that way. We spent 30 minutes a day talking about how do we maintain our body heat, body heat as, as well as possible. Now, one other point I want to make, and that is, uh, uh, so it wasn't, so coaches sometimes, 
I mean, I love our coaching profession. And coaches can be very charismatic and very, very thoughtful and very smart and all that. But also we can be blockheads. And there are too often times where coaches say, you know, this is, minor, this is a matter of mind over matter. You know, this is, it's not that cold out or it's not that wet out or it's not that hot out. Well, in reality, it is that hot. It is that wet. It is that cold. So, so I want my guys to understand, I'm telling this is going to be the coldest day you're ever going to have in your life. Joe, if you were with us when we flew out, we're getting ready to get off the plane. Before we got off the plane, I told you, I said, hey, when you get off the plane, you're going to get shocked with a wave of cold. Get ready mm -hmm. for that. And then, uh, so, so. Uh, I was shocked. <laughs> so so, so we're, we're warming up. We're warming up. And here comes Montana. And they're wearing short sleeves. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, you know what? You know what? I think we got a shot today. And they got off to a pretty good start. We we're down 14 nothing after <laughs> after three minutes. And then we ran in it, you know, it was 35, 14 and a half time, maybe 40 seconds, 42 points unanswered. But that's the greatest single victory that I've been part of. And I think anybody who's ever part of that game probably has to say the same thing. It was unbelievable. I mean, when when uh when Alex hit DeMario Bennett for that long 86 yarder, it's like, okay, right, we we we're settled in now. We're gonna be okay. It's almost like it felt like. Our whole our whole sideline thought we're going to be okay. All right, it was loud in there. They scored a couple, and then boom, we hit them, and that's like we're going to be all right. It's going to be good. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Prophetic. <laughs> that you probably said that in the booth. I, Matt and I, but we 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 agreed on that. Yes, we did. I'll tell you what, we uh, coach. We talk about pivotal moments in this program's history, right? Under Coach Bennett's era and your era, and now even under obviously Jamie, but. That, the Furman game, the Liberty game, and really the Montana game, to me, is one of those turning points, because we talked about it on the podcast, that that was where nationally at the FCS level, people really went, okay, these boys from the beach not only can play, but they can play at that time, there was App and there was Georgia Southern, and then there was really North Dakota State, Montana, you know, there was Eastern Washington. There was really about six or eight of that core group that we descended to that was one of those where we literally stuck our keel flag in the ground and said, boys, we belong. So that leads me, Joe, to ask this question. What did you learn as a coach about yourself and about this program, if you will, when we lost to North Dakota State 48-14, but then come right back to the same spot a year later, and we gave them hell for four quarters? What did you learn in that one-year time period? Well, if you remember, guys, our mission wasn't to win. I mean, we knew we had to win. If we don't win, I was going to get fired. But uh, the mission wasn't what everybody else says. The business world, oh, we want to be the uh, the investment firm of choice that everybody's going to go to. Uh, in athletics, we want to win. Our mission is to win the conference. Mission to do this. Mission to do that. Remember, our mission mm -hmm. was to put a team on the field. Coastal Carolina is going to be proud of mm -hmm. yep. And that meant is we knew we weren't going to win every play. We knew we weren't going to win every game. But we knew we needed to win. We knew that was important. But what that meant to us is that every snap, we're going to give it 100%. Every guy that feels going to give it 100%. Mm -hmm. And I'd say if you look at my entire tenure as head coach, and if you look at every play, special teams, kicking game, offense, defense, you get thousands of plays. And I'll bet you on one hand you can count the number of, number of plays where our guys took off and didn't give it 100%. That's out of that. So, so that was the philosophy. Remember, bam, you take a responsibility for yourself. So you're part of a team. You're not giving up. You're going after it as best you can. And it's a matter of putting a team on the field and you giving it your very, very mm -hmm. best. When you come off that field, 
is your family proud of what you've done? Is your girlfriend or your brother or your sister proud of what you've done? Are you proud when you look in the mirror? Did you give it everything you, you possibly had? If you do that, and we've done a good job preparing as coaches, and we had a good week in terms of preparation, then whatever's going to be the outcome of that game is going to be the outcome of the game. The key is the process you go through, and then you execute at game time. So there mm -hmm. are games that I've lost that I can live with, and there are games, frankly, that I've won that I don't feel really, really good about. But that's what, but that was the theme all the time. That was mm -hmm. the theme the entire time. You could definitely tell the growth of the program from that one game, if I may, Chili, from to your point, that process, willing to to stay the course with your process, but also willing to does it need to be refined for the betterment of our program? And and you could tell, again, we've talked about it, the three of us, that one year time frame from that game back to where we were again, we grew up more. I mean, I, I've said it, I, I feel like, and just Coach, you, I feel like we, the program, grew up in that 12 months that I've seen us really grow up probably in going from my junior to my senior year at Coastal. It was another one of those pivotal 12 months where you feel like the program just grew up right in front of you, right? I mean, we had expectations heaped on us. You all managed it well. We were literally right back to where we were again, and we lost by two, right? So, like you said, it wasn't about winning losses to the point of we grew. We grew more in that 12 months. I think set the stage for where we are now. Well, I, I, I buy that, Travis. But you know, one other thing, guys, that, that I'd like to say, and that is going into the second season, we got, we, we began winning and we had a pretty good check. Every one of those seasons to follow were really, really pretty outstanding seasons. And um, uh, But the game that I was probably worried about the most, we were playing Eastern Kentucky had beaten us the year before, yeah. and we're playing Eastern Kentucky at Eastern Kentucky, and they're one of the better teams at the yeah. FCS level. You know, President Benson, yeah. our president, was their president then, and he wanted to make sure that at the FCS level they were going to be a team that everybody would recognize. And they were very, very good. And they were two or three touchdown favorites. And we went in there, and we really, truly handled them. They were a good football team. And I think – I don't remember the exact score of the game, but, I mean, we handled them. Like, we scored, like, 35 points on answer. And we physically beat them. We beat them on offense. We beat them on defense. We beat them on special teams. And our guys – knew, knew that we yeah. didn't just win a game against somebody who's very good. We handled a team that was very, very good. At the time, they were in the top 10, and we hadn't broken into yeah. that yet. So that would be another game, I think, in terms of growing up, yeah. that, 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 I, that, I, that I would say would, would be one of them as well. That's a good point. That's a real good point. Yeah, Coach, my question kind of goes along with that, too, and it's, <clears throat> it's about the um, 2016 season. And we're playing that season as an FCS independent. We can't do playoffs. And I, while you were talking, I wanted to make sure I had my facts right. So I Googled it and I have on my Wikipedia page here in front of me. Um, we lost two games. We go 10 and 2. There's no playoffs, nothing for us because we're about to go to the Sun Belt. Um, and the two losses we had that season, both were by one point each one at Jacksonville State and one at Charleston Southern. Um, I would imagine as a player, it's really hard to get fired up for a season when you know you've got a good team, but you can't do anything when the season's over with. So what was your message in 2016 going into that season when you've got a whole season worth of football with obviously a really good team? How do we stay on track and still pull off a 10-2 and two record? You know, one of the things, uh, Steve, is along, along that line as well is the two teams we lost, when we, we lost uh, Charles Southern, they were ranked seventh in the country then. Yeah. Jacksonville was third of the country. So they were two 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 real teams. Um, but, again, there's no excuses. It's BAM. Our job is to put a team in the field, Coach is going to be proud of. Our, BAM, yeah. our job is to give it everything we've got. 
Abam's not to worry about what's going to happen later on, just to give it 100%, 100% of time. Now, one of the things, if you guys do recall as well, uh, that, that I, I, I feel uh, blessed with President Benson and, and Matt being enthusiastic about this, was these were the guys, that, the guys that were playing that year, they're the guys that built the program. They're the guys that got us into the FBS. So to all of a sudden finish the season where those and nothing and everything go, winds up going away is, is disappointing. It's disappointing. So that was where we put together. And I think Mike Haywood led the effort as SID at mm -hmm. the time to put together their transition committee. And if I remember correctly, there was an, an AD, another AD that was in the sun, uh, in, the sun in, the, in the big South. There was another mm -hmm. coach from the big South. There was a, there was a, a sports, sports, sports journalist from from somewhere else in the Big South. Then I think it was Ryan here with us and, and Mike was part of that. And then at the end, they voted for the exact same way they would have voted if, depending on what would happen at that particular time of the year. We would have tied for the conference championship. 100% we would have gone to the playoffs. And the reality is we were a pretty good team. But that's why when you look at the conference championships in the stadium or even in our records, or you look at the, the uh, national playoff picture, we're down there 2016. And there's an asterisk that said this was the transition committee. But if we had still been in the league, all those things, I think, would have, been, would, would have, would have happened. Uh, but I think for those kids, when they look back on that, they're not forgotten as a 2016 team. They are remembered. And again, they were critical in where we are today. Agreed. You know, so that, that's why, it's why I really was uh, – that meant a lot to me. That, uh, uh, that 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 uh, Matt Hogue and, and president uh, president I may have said Benson before President Desenzo, you know, wanted us to do something like that because otherwise we could not have turned our back on that team, and we did, and they yep. they feel as proud of anything that that we've ever done. Well, Coach, I know I'm 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 glad that Chile brought up the 2016 season because it got off. I want to know. If you remember this or not, it got oh, yeah. off to a, it, it got off to a bit of a bumpy start when we went out to Lamar on the craziest plane trip. <laughs> I, I've never been on anything like that. Because you do you remember taking off in that storm in Myrtle Beach and we're we're bouncing around <laughs> and then half those kids had never been on a plane before and everybody's like, yeah. oh, we're we're not going to get out of Horry County. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember. So I'm sitting next to George Glenn. And he's on. He's 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 by the window, and I'm I'm next to him. I'm by the aisle, and I, I have to travel a reasonable amount, so I'm not afraid to get on a plane. But I'm not great with crazy turbulence, and I've had <laughs> I've never had turbulence like this. And you're, this was the first time. Per your per, per your point, per your point, Joe. A lot of these players had never been on a plane. No. Nope. And and so when we would drop a hundred feet, and you get that rush in your stomach, like, like what's it, uh, winds up coming in, coming in your throat, and they go, whoa, and they're kind of yelling. I'm, I had my eyes closed. Here's what you did is I had my eyes closed. I'm holding George Glenn's hand, and I'm praying the whole time. I'm praying the whole time. And then we landed. It was like, oh, thank you, Lord. We got through that one. And I think that, I think when I was giving my, my talk to the team the night before, uh, I think I, I remember talking about that. I said, you got to be able to count on your teammates. We had to count on the people that were flying the plane, you know, earlier today to kind of get us here. You count on each other. Everybody wants yeah. to do a job. We're okay. But yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, a, we got off to a tough start that game too. We did. Yeah. That's by, by a couple of touchdowns. And, uh, but that, that, all that turned out. Okay. Yeah. Joe, hey, Joe and Joe, I got, I got a question to ask. When you went to get back on the plane for the return flight, 
did you have some young cats a little hesitant <laughs> to, to board that plane <laughs> okay here's what here's what we had here's what we had travis we had some guys that would have been scared to death if there were any rain clouds at all but the sun was out everything was nice everything they looked good and they acted like eh, i don't care what the weather is i'm a tough guy i can handle the flight home look at what i just took coming out here i can handle going home but if there were bad weather i don't know if i would have got on a plane i don't think we would have got the bus we get back to school on tuesday but we would have figured it out i can only imagine joe's told that story in partiality if you will on a couple podcasts and he said goes if we ever get to do this i kind of walk through history he said, I'm going to ask Coach Joe about that. And um, he, the way he talks about it, I've been waiting to hear you talk about it. So your face just lit up like that tells me that was a hell of a ride, man. Yeah, you, it was, that's, an that's an understatement, brother. That's an understatement. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> Coach, so, Coach, what what did you, what did you see in uh, as we're kind of transitioning now, I guess, to to FBS from the FCS years to FBS? What what did you see in Jamie? You know, other other than the fact I, we all knew he was a good football coach, he could lead a program. What what did you see in Jamie when it came time to bring him in as the OC and associate head coach? What did you see in him led you to to hire him and bring him into the program? Well, I think number one, certainly he did an outstanding job against us. Uh, number one, but. Even if we had won though a couple couple of those games instead of not, that wouldn't have changed changed my changed my changed my perspective on him. Um, I love the fact that that he that he's a, a devout guy and he built especially at, at uh, Charleston Southern. They've been building the program on that because it's a, it's a Christian school, and um, but it wasn't just that. I felt that he really did care about his players. I thought that he wasn't afraid to think outside the box. I thought he wasn't afraid to take risks, and I thought he was an outstanding offensive coordinator. And I think I reached out to him probably in 2015 or maybe 14, if you recall back then, my name would come up for a lot of different jobs, like especially in the East. And, um, but nobody gave me an interview, but my name would come up for a job. And my intent was to stay here anyway, but if I had got a really, really special opportunity, would I leave? If I really felt it was special and I could do something special there, I think I would have. And when I talked to, when I talked to Jamie, I said, so if that were to happen, like, uh, you know, would you, you'd have, you'd either be able to come with me or you could succeed me. And he felt really good about that. One of the things that I think Jamie, Jamie has said in front of me, and I also think when I'm not there, Jamie's a young guy and he knew he was going to have, he knew he was going to have a really good career in coaching. And because we did things truly different than what other people did, I think he felt that, you know, I can learn a lot at this point in my life. And I can really leverage that later on to be maybe a better coach than what I would have been. So I just think the world of him as, as, a, as a man, as a father, uh, as a coach, I know he cares about the kids. I know he cares about his staff. And I think he's an incredible representative for, for Coastal Carolina. So I couldn't be prouder for him to have come in as part of our staff. And I couldn't be, be prouder for him to have succeeded me. Coach, my, my question I was going to ask you actually is a good follow-up to what Joe just asked you, if that's okay if I jump in, Travis. Um, in your opinion, and having Coach Chadwell follow you and, and be a part of the program and then succeed you like that, um, for lack of a better phrase, what do you think the state of BAM is at Coastal Carolina right now? I think it's as strong as it's ever been. BAM is still part of the program. If you go walk in the locker room, walk around the locker room, see the BAM up, see the BAM still in, in, the, the, in the hallway, the guard meeting room. You still see it in the stadium. Um, 
uh, I think what Jamie did, Jamie believed in BAM. So BAM was something that mattered, mattered to Jamie. He believed in BAM. But I think what he also did was also things that he felt strongly about. So remember his first year? So BAM was always there, but then he was, we got to believe. We got to believe in ourselves. We got to believe in each other. So he would almost always have each season have BAM, but he might have another word that would be associated that would also be a theme over the span of that mm -hmm. season. So I feel, you know, when I talk to players, I talk to the guys on the staff, uh, BAM is still a critical part. I mean, just, just think about just think about what it means. You stand on your own two feet. You take responsibility for yourself. You always treat others with dignity and respect. You live with the consequences of your actions. How, and it applies to every possible uh, part of your life. How can how can that, that not really truly mean something, especially it was part of the base upon which we're building on that whole time that Jamie was part of as, as our offensive coordinator, my associate head coach. Travis, I think you're up now. I jumped in before you, Travis. I apologize. No, 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 no. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I love memories. Those, those are my, those are my fun things to talk about. We, we, we prompted you coach on certain things, but I'd like to turn the opportunity over to you. What kind of comes to mind when you reflect back in your time in coaching, right? Of all the things you've installed and instilled, a foundation, the next layer of that foundation you put, like you talk about, you built on what Coach Bennett built, and you built on top of that, and Jamie's building now. We've prompted it. What are things that come to your mind when you just kind of sit back and you sit back with a glass of wine and a bite to eat and go, man, I, that really brings a good memory to me. What is that to you with this program? Well, first of all, Travis, I don't necessarily have to have a bite to eat if I'm going to have a glass of wine. <laughs> I could eat those. Uh, you know, I was I, trying to at least, I was trying to bring it all together, Coach. Trying to bring it all together. Um, you know what, guys? I've been thinking about this a lot over the span of the, the last uh, two, three, four years as I've gotten older and as i've stepped down and um uh, I, I i think the last three or four years of my life i am filled with gratitude in a way that i've always felt that in my lifetime i've been grateful for anything that i've received or my loved ones or whatever whatever it might be but i think over the span of the last few years it means that much more to me so when i think back you know there's nobody's there is nobody that's ever done what I've done. I don't say that immodestly. It's just a simple fact. So when I went from football to Wall Street the first time around, I didn't know if I was going to make it in Wall Street. I really didn't. But I had a lot going on. I had a lot at stake. I had to figure out. Now, there are a small handful of coaches that did leave coaching that went to Wall Street or did the business and did well. There's a small handful of those. Uh, there are plenty that went, but a small handful that wound up, wound up do, doing well. I put myself in that category. Uh, and then, then, you know, I couldn't have been proud of my career at Merrill Lynch. And then I wound up leaving Merrill Lynch and I wound up going to Meritrade when we were going out of business. And I couldn't have been prouder of what we did there. And you had the financial crisis of 2007 and 2008. We, we got through that because we didn't make any of the mistakes anybody else made. Well, it wasn't because we were lucky. It was because we really thought things through. We did things differently than what other people did. So when I stepped down and became chairman going into 2009, I wasn't thinking about getting another job. But the first time I've been working hard since I was 10 at my father's food store. So I wanted to be able to take a break. And, uh, and I had incredible, incredible opportunities in the media world. I had incredible opportunities, like joke-like opportunities in the business world. And that's when I got a call from the group of alumni at Yale telling me, you know, that if their job wouldn't be open, would I be interested? And I was like dumbfounded about it. Now people say, oh, I was going back to my dream. I wasn't ever planning to go back to football. But then I really, really thought about it. I thought if I were, if I'm going to go back, do I do, do I do I still have do I have what it takes to be outstanding as a leader on the field as a head as a head college football coach? 
And I did. I believe I did. And I tested that at Nebraska and later on with the Omaha Nighthawks. But then to actually, when President DeCenzo giving me the opportunity when no one else would have, and, and there is nobody else like me having done this. And then think about the job that we did at Coastal Carolina. And I look back, I've got a family that I love. I've got loved ones that I love. I've got so many people in my life that I care about. Uh, I'm proud of where I came from. I'm proud of my Italian and Irish heritage. I, I'm, I'm proud of having been a northerner to come in the South to be part of the South Carolina family. I'm proud of what I did my first time around as a coach and the impact that I had on my players. I'm proud, I'm proud of what I did in the business world. I'm incredibly proud of coming back uh, to football, you know, as our head coach and doing what we did. So I, I, it's not like I could pick something out, but I'm overwhelmed with uh, if I were to die tomorrow, I could not be more grateful than what I am now. And I've been, been this way for the, for the last few years. So I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. Coach, that's awesome. And that look, um, you did something you love, man. And not many people can can look in the mirror every day and say that. And and you did. And you made people around you better. You made a program better. Uh, you made a community better. So as a former student athlete, I've told you this before, as a former letter winner, you know, I'm always grateful for your contributions. I'm grateful for Coach Bennett's contributions. And I'm even, you know, as grateful for Jamie's contributions. But Thank you for everything you've done. I can tell just by your, you know, the interaction right now, it's, it's special to you. So, um, Tilly, Joe, anything? Thanks, Travis. Yes, sir. Just, uh, just a you know, final word to echo what Travis just said. Coach, appreciate everything that uh, you, that you've done. Appreciate our relationship and you working with me and me with you and you know the years that we had. And it's it's great to catch up here and in this forum and be able to kind of. You know, go back down memory lane. This, it, yeah, it means so much to, to all of us. This being the 20th season, it's hard to believe. Yeah. It. 20 years now, we've, we've yeah. had the 20th season, and you're so much a, a huge part of it. And just mm -hmm. can't thank you enough for for you know visiting with us and, and what you mean to, to me in this program. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Coach, I, this, this is kind of a question, but I, I kind of want to get like a, maybe a longer reflection from you about this, if I can, to kind of if we can wrap it up with this one. Um, is I remember after you first got hired, people were like introducing you as like, you know, it's the new Coastal Carolina head coach, but it was almost parenthetically, anybody who was doing media, ESPN or whatever, would say, but he's also, you know, this guy who made a lot of money with TD Ameritrade and that kind of stuff. I think the Did term that used billionaire, I think they were using the term. Yeah, and I it would always billionaire. Be, <laughs> every headline on TV or in print would yeah. be billionaire dash head coach, Coach Joe Moglia. My dad used to delight in seeing you on Fox News talking about financial stuff, too. But my question is kind of like um, it's kind of coastal related in the sense that you were getting a lot of good exposure for coastal when it came yeah. to those appearances you would do in those talks and stuff. But I guess my question is, did you ever get tired of that moniker that they would always say, like, hey, he happens to be a head coach or he happens to be, you know, a financial guru. Somebody did say a financial guru one time on TV. I saw it, coach. I promise you they said that. But the idea I'm asking is, you know, did you ever get tired of hearing that back and forth? And they would, it was almost like one thing. I feel like you're the kind of person that once you take on a task, you like to focus on it, do the very best job you can and, and you know, give a good product at the end of it. It almost seemed like they were making you out to be a guy who was Monday through Wednesday doing finance, Thursday through Saturday doing football is almost how it sounded sometimes. Well, the uh, chili, the reality is I'm very, very good, Bam. 
I don't worry too much about things I have no control. So my first seven or eight, nine months here, everybody was coming out to get me. Everybody was bad-mouthing me. Not everybody, but many people were doing that. In fact, one little anecdote which is kind of interesting. My first six months here, I got four traffic tickets. Two of them were like going 40-something into 35. In my last 10 years, I've been pulled over about 10 times. No traffic tickets. So that, that, that tells you something. That's anecdotal, but that winds up telling you something, I think. But the reality, you got to be doing I, something right. Yeah, the reality is, I think when I got here, no matter what they thought, what they could have thought I was the greatest thing in the world or the worst thing in the world, but I had to prove myself. I did that. I did that. And I think, by the way, I think I felt very much embraced by the community and very much respected and, and embraced by the community. So I think, I think back then, by the way, the reason why the billion dollar thing came up, when I was at Nebraska, um, and I was often asked to go on, you know, the, the, the business news. I was still, the whole while I was coaching, I was still chairman of TD Ameritrade. And by the way, we just did a $40 billion deal. I was kind of involved with that. Wow. Uh, you know, we, so again, not a lot of other people are going to say those things. But, 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 but the reality is when I, the, there was a feature in Sports Illustrated by uh, John Worth, Wertheim. Uh, and, uh, and it was a great feature. And it talked about my background and wanted to get there. And it was a picture of me on the field with Bo and et cetera. And the head heading was billion dollar coach. Now, if you read the article, what it said was Joe came in when this Meritrade was losing money, every year losing money. And by the time he stepped down as CEO, they earned a billion dollars. First of all, that's an incredible achievement. Secondly, that's what it said. So that also told me people saying that. They never even read the damn article. They just read the headline, and most of them didn't even realize they had coached before. So I, I couldn't worry. I couldn't worry about that. And and I don't don't read. I don't read stuff about myself. And uh, uh, I, I didn't pay attention to any of the blogs. I will share a quick story with you though that you may get a kick out of. Um, that my son though would, and I, I, he'd get upset sometimes. Dad, they're coming after you, you know. But they're not giving you a chance. I said, look, everything will work out. Well, why don't we see how we do? Relax. Him. Stop reading. Stop looking at the blogs. Stop doing that stuff. So this one time he calls me and he says, Dad, I got to talk to you. I got to get this off my chest. And I said, well, go ahead. What? And he goes, this guy said that President DeCenzo should be fired because he got rid of a coaching legend and brought in a guy from Wall Street who couldn't find the job. <laughs> so <laughs> now that has been thrown back at the, I don't know who that guy is, but I thought that was kind of cute. That kind of worked out. And the temple one has said in my residence, I said, no, look, don't worry about it. We'll move on from that. He, he if anything, in, Coach. No, no, he, the quote was, he brought in a Wall Street reject who couldn't find a job. Coach, if anything, I think you're very employable, just if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> I, well, you're just a principal at the middle, middle school? I am, yes, sir. I'm a pretty good social studies guy. That was my area I taught, too. I mean, and I'll be honest with you. This is on the podcast. This is going out whenever. Coach, I can offer you a position at my middle school right now. We have openings. There's a shortage. I can get you in. I know the right person to talk to. Do you offer, we got a free, guy. Do you offer free lunch? Yes, I can offer you, Coach Joe Moglia, free right, lunch. We got, we got to talk next week, then. <laughs> well, hey, Coach. Grateful, grateful for the opportunity to catch up with you, to walk down memory lane, talk about things in, in, in your coaching past, your, you know, your personal past, things that we reflect on as, you know, the three of us with the, with the Strut Podcast. But, again, as we continue to walk through the program's history, 
in 20 years, the program came out of the foundation with Coach Bennett, grew up in the time period that you coach, and then, again, Jamie's taking the ceiling off of it, right? So, again, from all three of us, I can say thank you so much for everything you've done, your time tonight. We know we're going to see you around at the stadium and on campus because we got Army coming up here very, very soon in short yeah. order. And uh, so I will plug this. I know somebody who's going to the Army game and going to New York City next year for the first time in his life and taking his kids. So I will reach out for some guidance on where the best food and the best experience is when I hit the Big Apple. So I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to reach out to you for it. I can help you. I can help you with that, Travis. And, Co yeah, and Travis, as his new boss, I can help you talk to him. I can hook you two up. <laughs> I know where Coach's classroom is going to be. Uh -huh. <laughs> guys, the uh, – uh, Again, I'm honored that we're doing this and a privilege that it's our 20th year. Uh, but I can't tell you how grateful I am to be part of Coastal Carolina. And so, love you guys. Love Coastal Carolina. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thank it. You, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care.